With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It may be. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is Feliciano has been a good leader to the offensive line. Sure. I think if you've if you've watched the team closely, and I know you have Paul too. It's not as if Feliciano has been some ultimate Pro Bowl center out there either. He has struggled at times this year, even as a veteran. Where I guess when you're ranking, you know, the injuries that you don't want to see happen, I don't know that you get a killer, killer drop off the center position. If anything, there might be some reps where you feel like you actually get an upgrade. Okay, the other thing I wanted to bring up. Now, it could be financially motivated. It could be something you would have maybe a better intel on this. You get the initial reports from people outside the locker room, a guy like Ian Rappaport, expect Dory Jackson out four to six weeks. Then Brian Dable takes the podium on Tuesday. They are not putting a Dory Jackson on injured reserve. Again, that could be financially motivated with the cap and everything. I, I want to leave that door open. However, you know, if a guy is definitely going to miss four weeks, you would normal circumstances place him on injured reserve knowing, you know, it's a four week minimum and then an elevation anyway. He had also said that he saw Dory Jackson and he already was looking much better. Clearly he's been ruled out for Thursday, nor would I expect him to play next week versus Washington. But where it really felt to me as bad as the Wandell situation wasn't all the injuries to me, the one that really bothered me the most was a Dory Jackson because he's that important to the secondary with how thin they are. I, I mean, Paul, am I reading too much into this, or do the Giants actually have a glimmer of good news over the long term getting Adoree back for some of these important games? Well, first up, Adoree Jackson has truly developed into a CB1. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. He is a quality CB1 in this league. He's not a Pro Bowl-level player, but he's damn good. And he's been very reliable and very durable, to be honest with you, since he's yes. come to the Giants. He and great run support. In great run support, too. Yes. Not just his cover stuff. Absolutely. He's a good tackler. So, right. Sean, this th- that one is a very, very, very dangerous blow to this team. Adore Jackson, and and I would even say the Wandell Robinson one is is also a very painful one as well, despite what Richie James may be able to do. Uh, they had so much planned for him, and we just started to see that be unwrapped. Uh, um, you know, they were saving a lot of stuff for those divisional games with him. So that's going to hurt too. I will say this. I saw Dory Jackson after the game. Uh, he did not seem that upset about it. He seemed to feel like he was all right. He was not on crutches. Saw him again this week. Uh, he was in the locker room just today, uh, and he was not that hobbled. So if you are asking me, is there a little more optimism than maybe what they may have thought? Yeah, I'd say there probably is a little bit of hope and a little bit of optimism that he may not wind up being a four- to six-week guy. 
Of course, day-to-day that can change. Injury statuses can go up and down. We all know that. You can have a setback at any time. But um, the fact that he's not on crutches, he doesn't have a huge brace on his knee, and he's not limping around like he's on one leg, I'd say those are all good signs. All right. Now, Paul, I so I, I totally get it. And by the way, the one interview I did see today was Daniel Jones. I'm taping this. We're taping this on a Tuesday. Uh, and again, I'm reminded of in New York, I don't want to take a run at the Jets and a shot at the Jets. But when you hear Zach Wilson talk about stuff after the game, and then you hear Daniel Jones to throw in two picks and hearing, and Daniel Jones knowing that the Giants have all these bodies down, boy, am I grateful that Daniel Jones is the giant quarterback, saying all the right things and basically saying, hey, Put everything on me on Thursday. I got paraphrasing. I got to be better. I, I got to show the team that I, you know, I could lead them into battle here. I need more on my shoulders. It's a, you know, a, a paraphrasing again what Daniel Jones is basically saying. I love the attitude of Daniel Jones heading into this game. And you know, look, you can't win a game on attitude enough or stay close. But the Giants should be very grateful that here they are in late November. And with all the injuries they have, a guy who's been oft injured in his career is the quarterback, and he is healthy right now. Remember, he got hurt in Dallas last year. But he is saying all the right things, Paul, in what seems like crisis time for the Giants. That should sound familiar to you, Sean, because his predecessor did exactly the same thing. Yeah, Eli Manning was the same type of guy. You want to blame me? You want to look at me and point your finger at me uh, when we lose? Fine. You can also point your finger at me when the team knows that the chips are down and they need somebody to pick it up. I'm willing to take that on my shoulders. Eli was the same way. Daniel Jones learned from him. He is, in my opinion, the unequivocal and unquestioned mature stand-up type of leader that this team needs in that locker room, not just the quarterback who, in my opinion, has already proven this year that he can lead them to victories on the field. Now, another two guys who will not be playing in Dallas, Paul, as we kind of close out the injury conversation that, you know, part of what we were talking about, right, with looking ahead, you have two Washington games coming up in coming weeks, obviously the Philadelphia game in two weeks, and they close out the year with them. Those games are just as important, if not more important than Thanksgiving. And you have to wonder if on the short week, knowing they're already down, if the Giants, maybe in the back of their mind, are holding back and not rushing guys, fearful of losing them longer term. Two of those guys I'm going to mention right now. One, Daniel Bellinger, a guy that the Giants have missed since they lost him in Jacksonville. Now, Cager's done a good job passing the ball, but Bellinger is the best tight end on the roster with everything he could do, feeding off the blocks, going out, catching passes. That is a weapon, especially with Wandell out, that the Giants are going to miss. And I do wonder if they'll work in both Cager and Bellinger when he comes back. Clearly, yeah, he's Bellinger been ruled out. Has already been ruled yeah. out for the Dallas game. That's what I was going to say. And that's a smart move. And I talked to uh, Aziz Ojolari today. That's the other one. He was eligible to be be activated this week. And there was some thinking that possibly he might, but in talking to him, no. They decided not to activate him for practice this week. They're waiting until the following week against Washington. And I think that's exactly the situation, Sean. I believe that the Giants understand the weight of these games coming up. And there's a lot more weight, as we already discussed, in the next three games than there is for this Thursday. So why would you make moves with those two guys coming back if you did not have to do it? Why why take that chance? Right. You get a little half a buy here. So I guess what we're painting the picture of is if the Giants go and lose this game to the Cowboys and it's two in a row and they're seven and four and people are freaking out and Washington goes and beats Atlanta – 
you're going to suffer that initial feeling as a fan of that pit of the stomach of, oh, I hate this. I hope this isn't a collapse. But understand that you could turn around in another week or so, Paul, and go, wait a minute. Bellinger's playing? Wait a minute. Ojolari's playing? Evan Neal's playing? You're going to start to be motivated by good news of injuries, even though it feels devastating right now by the time that Commander game comes. And you're going to be all excited and pumped up. And then the Giants might have that little extra pep in them step themselves. So I think they're handling this right with both Ojolari and Bellinger. I, I really do. Uh, and if again, you start getting guys more all systems go in another 10 days or so for Washington, that's going to be of the utmost importance. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, yeah. quite frankly, uh, if they can somehow get through this game and whatever the result is, as long as they can get through this game without getting anybody else added to the injury report, I think there will be a sigh of relief amongst those in the organization because they know that getting that week and a half before playing the ultra-important part of their schedule, starting with Washington, uh, that, that's going to help them a lot in terms of their potential outlook in what we believe are the three most important games of their schedule. Okay, so now let's look to the game that, look, it's inevitable not to feel negative about, right? I mean, the Dallas Cowboys come off an absolute trouncing of the Minnesota Vikings. The Giants come off a loss, and then all of these injuries as well. Uh, and now going on the road, short week, it feels like everything is going against the Giants here. And the NFL is a funny league. It's a weird league. So I'm not automatically chalking up loss, even though I will personally tell you I don't believe they win the game. This game versus Dallas, in the first game, the Giants were also dealing with injury, right? I mean, there was no Leonard Williams in that game. And you could very seely see, you know, very, see clearly how the Dallas Cowboys were able to pick up these chunk yardage run plays without Leonard Williams in the middle of that game, if you remember. Now, the Cowboys do such a good job also passing into the backs. They did last week with Tony Pollard. They got him more involved in the passing game. I am worried about that matchup with some of the Giants linebackers. Because remember, Paul, I think it was one or two when I went back and watched the Lions game where they really tried to attack Micah McFadden with their fullback and passes out, and there was a couple drops there. That's the part of the game defensively that worries me is the, these plays out of the backfield, throwing the ball to the backs and seeing the linebackers in this game get exposed. However, if you're just talking about a front four situation, Look, if the Giants can have any shot in this game, they need A++ efforts from Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Kayvon Thibodeau up front and to hold the fort. Look, if their second-level guys like Jalen Smith, Ma Micah McFadden, Tate Crowder are getting killed, well, that was kind of be expected. If CeeDee Lamb is running on a bad Fabian Moreau or a Nick McLeod, okay, that could be expected. But if the Giants have any shot, they got to win the war up front in the trenches the way the Lions did to them a week ago. There's no doubt. Look, it's an NFC East game against an arch rival. You better bring your heavyweight punch to this game on both sides of the line of scrimmage to have any chance to compete. I'm not even talking about winning. To compete. You need to come out throwing haymakers from the very beginning on both sides of the line. And as, as far as the Cowboys are concerned, understand something. Yeah, they beat the Giants by one score last time. And it was only because Sills fell down with about a minute and a half to go that Diggs picked off Daniel Jones on what potentially could have been a game-tying touchdown drive. Yeah. So let's not forget that. But you mentioned the fact that Dallas ran the ball well that night. Leonard Williams was not in the lineup. Darius Slayton had been a forgotten man at that point in time. Yeah. And now, obviously, that's a plus for the Giants. Uh, but look at the other side. Schultz, who was the second-leading receiver on the Cowboys, did not play in that game. He had a banged-up knee. Michael Gallup 
did not play in that game with the Cowboys as he was banged up. You're right. Here's the problem, Sean. I disagree with you about the linebackers. For me, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying the Giants have three healthy cornerbacks. Three. Flott, McLeod, and Williams. Exactly how many experienced NFL snaps have those three guys taken in their lives? Not a whole lot. Now, that's your problem. 